0: On a larger being called life, the way it expresses through you is through those soul level values. So when, as the founder of Aikido said, when you align yourself with the principles of the universe, it conspires to help you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from ClearandOpen.com. Last week, we established that finding your passion path is a journey, not a mission. There is no singular end goal that you're ultimately working towards. And like any good journey, we can't control everything that happens. Of course, that doesn't stop us from trying. We've discussed this common delusion before, the shared delusion that people know how reality tends to operate and as such can manipulate the outcomes. But time and time again, reality proves us wrong and the feedback comes in the form of suffering. So, today we're going to talk about meeting reality where it is on the passion path and how our old friend surrender, which is always an important tool in our self management tool belt. You could say it's the untool in the way, will help us make progress on our journey.
1: It's also really helpful to hear um, someone like you who's you know, found their passion path that even when you have found it, there's still going to be those days. It's never over and you're never just totally happy doing what you're doing, which I think is easy to fantasize about. But even Gandhi, even, you know, you name it, every person out there, even if they found a passion path, still has those days where they don't want to do it and they question everything. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think I found it too. I love. I couldn't imagine a better thing to be doing, but I still have those rough days and I go through a similar process where after about an hour, I'm like, I'm very grateful. I don't have to be here and I still can't imagine anything else I'd rather do. Otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks for reflecting that. Yeah, and it's the same thing with a soulmate, right? Your soulmate's not going to be like the fictionalized, you know, romantic honeymoon thing every moment of every day, right? That's a great example of how we project our fantasies onto reality, right? Because we have this picture of what the highest form of intimate relationship looks
1: like, and it has no basis in reality whatsoever. My perspective on relationships is totally off, and I'm sure I want to hear your thoughts on this. And I think, I think you'll agree. I think it'll resonate. But, um, I was always like a, a member of the school of thought that as long as you were like successful and healthy and decently good looking and stuff that you would just, you'd find your soulmate and it would just be easy. And like you just have a good relationship and stuff like that. Kind of like probably what you think if you find your passion path, it's just easy, you know, once you, once you found it. But then a great mentor explained to me, no, Willie. Really. It's just like a business. It's you have to constantly put in work into it. You have just as much work you have to put into your business to maintain it and keep it going. You have to put that into a relationship, otherwise it's going to fall apart. And it was so obvious, but it was it was I was I believed. You know, I had a completely opposite model in my head.
0: Yeah, and you know, we could talk about this for a long time. Um, and the the parallels are really useful. And, and thanks for drawing them even closer together. Yeah, it requires work but then you'd say well how do you know if if the relationship and the passion path requires work to stay engaged in it well then maybe that's not it right because it requires too much work and i'd say well how do you, how do you discern the difference well one one thing i would say is in a in both cases the majority of the time even if that's just a simple majority but more than half the time it ought to be really good right? That you know, 60-40, let's say, it's really good and there's work involved, but the, the majority of the time, it's great. If that's not the case, that's the most basic guideline I think I could give. If that's not the case, then uh, then you've got a problem. Also, though, is what work does it reflect to you that needs to be done? Because also, I'd say in both cases, a soulmate and a, and a passion path. The the work should be demanding a larger, more evolved, more aware, more conscious version of you. So it's eliciting your issues and confronting you with how to work with them. You know. So, in the case of a mate, for example, one of the things I've been looking at in myself and for over the last. I mean, since since I coined the uh, title Clear and Open for my business about two years ago, I've known from the very beginning that I was much better at clear than I was open. And because I'd say everybody has uh, one stronger than the other. And I got an image recently, I was sort of asking for guidance about uh, why I was still single. And the image I got was that I was, it was like asking the question, um, why am I staying dry while I'm taking a shower with a rain suit on? And the, the, the sort of message I got was, well, there's a way you're just not open to love. And how that actually expresses moment to moment, uh, one of the really key ways that expresses was a very counterintuitive uh, insight that's still kind of rocking my world. And that is because my gifts of clarity that I've had since I was a kid, I don't know where they come from, they're just there. My gifts of clarity have been exaggerated such that there's a subtle way in which I don't accept people's asleepness, nor do I my own. See if you can track this for a second. Is asleepness, lack of consciousness, unawareness, is that a part of reality? It is, right? It's as much part of reality as awakeness. So it's easy to put those as opposites, that being awake is true and being asleep is false. Being aware is better. Being unaware is bad. But this is not meeting reality itself where it is. It's sort of like saying... You know, Donald Trump shouldn't be president. You think you know he shouldn't be president? Right? On one level, you could say, well, here's evidence and behavior and, you know, whatever, he's not presidential and everything. And yet, how do we know on a context level, how do we know he should be president? Because he is. Right? It's like saying, well, it shouldn't be raining right now. Oh, I see. You think you know better? <laughs> Right Now you may have opinions like, well, I have an event I need to go to and outside and I really wish it wasn't raining. Okay, great. You've got your preference at the relative level, but at the, at the level of absolute, when you argue with reality, guess who wins? See what I mean? So there was this way that I've been looking through the lens of awakeness is better than asleepness and that's been causing me to meet reality and people not where they are because it was a subtle way that I was pushing against the asleepness and not accepting it as a part of reality, just like everything else.
2: It, uh, it also pushes roughly 98 to 99% of your dating pool away.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for connecting the last dot. Yes, exactly. That's it. It was a lot to get out. Sorry, I didn't connect the dot, but thank you. Yeah, that that's what I suspect, is it? Like, oh, there's a way I don't accept people. And whoever this woman is is not gonna be my student. So she's not gonna be interested in me waking her up, right? She's gonna you know, she's gonna have to be a certain level of awake, but she's not gonna be completely awake because I'm not. I can't expect that. So how am I gonna relate to that? Well, if I'm relating to, if I continue to relate to it in the way that I have, I'll be pushing that away, pushing her away. So that's my current model. That's what I'm working on. Go ahead, Angel.
3: The other day, on Tuesday, I forget how you phrased it, but it had something to do with the question you asked was, "How do you know that this is the way it's supposed to be?" or something to that effect.
0: Yeah. About, uh, oh, well, how, how, if do you think that you know the kind of experience you should be having? That one,
3: right? Do you yeah. think you know the kind of experience you should be having? And the correlation of, uh, soulmate to, to passion, uh, um, path, passion path, mm-hmm. I think it's funny that, that, that's the, that's the comparison because I feel so much about, your soulmate and your passion path both correlate to surrender. Yeah. Um, If you're going to seek truth or love in that way, one would need to surrender. And moreover to that, I always have found the irony somewhat comical that you tend to attract your opposite.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, And I think that that's the portion the same thing that drives us crazy about them in a great way is the same thing that drives us crazy about them in a negative way.
0: <laughs> very often.
3: And so I wonder if it's very much not the same thing when it comes to your passion path and trying to find that correlation between your soul level values and your passion path. And now how it would pertain to your career in that that struggle to kind of find that creative edge to be, uh, to be aware. I think our need to be in control takes takes away. You know, it yeah, it further away. Yeah, uh, it's almost like a repellent. Yeah, you know, north and south on a magnet polar I'm
0: so glad you brought that up, Ed. Were you gonna add something,
3: Angel? That uh,
2: that nails it. Like that is. The thing, like if you know whether you're talking about uh, soulmate and relationship or your uh, you know passion in, in in business or passion player or whatever, I was incredibly grateful to discover the soulmate part first, and I'm still working really hard on the the business side of it. But it was that surrender, like that was a surrender. And I don't think every relationship is based on opposites, but my wife and I are fairly close to opposite ish, you know, uh, and it's awesome. Like it's when you have that respect of each other, anyway, I don't want to go into our relationship to but like, it's starting to come together. I can feel that professionally. And as I was trying to figure out how to bring this up in the call, I think I'm starting to get on that path of finding it for work. And I didn't, I didn't even realize it on this call. I was like, you know what, fuck it. All I really care about is like teaching and showing people how to do this awesome stuff. I just want to teach and share. So I haven't even pitched any agency services. And that's what I've done for most of my professional life is agency-related stuff. I'm four for four for selling packages of teaching their staff how to be more awesome at this technical marketing thing. And we had a pitch yesterday... With this, so cannabis sales is legal in Washington State. So retail marijuana is a huge industry. And a very large shop with um multiple locations approached me to do their marketing. And I was like, no, no, you don't want us for marketing. What you want is to grow an in-house team. And I could help you (laughs) own that. And I could be the teacher. And he's like, Yeah, but we're 18 million, we could take it to 20 million, it's 50% net margin. I'm like, that would be awesome. We could really build a great team. And it was crazy because he reached out to me like within hours asking how to get started. And I was like, Oh wow. I probably just left several hundred thousand if not more dollars on the table, (laughs) but I'm really excited about helping him like do this for real, like in, in building a team and doing the, what I've been doing these last several projects. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm doing it. Like I just turned down a ton of, of pot money, which in Washington state is paid in cash. Like, I I don't know how I'm going to get paid. I'm assuming it's just going to be a stack of (laughs) 20s, you know? But anyway, I, I didn't even realize I've only been selling teaching and mentoring of marketers. Like, I haven't done... I'm like, oh, yeah, I value teaching and coaching. Oh,
0: I'm doing it. Wow, I just am not... I didn't realize I was doing it. Yeah, let me speak to the surrender thing that you guys are both talking about. Cause this is all, all another really important dynamic with, um, passion path and soulmates that it's, it's a lot like catching a wave, right? You paddle. There has to be some yangic intention, some exertion of strength, focus, outcome oriented, you know, thinking and planning. And then you got to let go because life is smarter than you are. And so you may have like, for example, uh, a strengths finder test is the same as a a list of all the qualities you want in an ideal mate. Right. But then the job comes along. And if it doesn't meet all of your criteria on your strengths, well, it's the same thing as if that woman or man doesn't meet all of your idealized qualities on the list. Right. It's like the reality is not going to be only what you projected into it. And that's what the fantasy we have about doing what we love. When you ask most people what they would do if they didn't have to work, most of them will say travel. That's why you have to stipulate, stipulate and you can't say travel, right? The, the same way that all, you know, all of the love songs we have in our world are just these absurd notions of uh, you know a moment of a honeymoon dynamic stretched over 40 years. That's just not a reference in reality. So there's an aspect of surrender to it. And what helps you access a healthy surrender, I think, is back to the soul level values. Because the soul level values, those are where your individual local personality interfaces with life itself. And you can substitute for life, God, Allah, the universe, great spirit, whatever you want to call it. But the, if you imagine that you are like the tip of a pinky on a larger being called life, it's expressing, the way it expresses through you is through those soul level values. So when, as the founder of Aikido said, when you align yourself with the principles of the universe, it conspires to help you. When you align yourself with the principles of the universe, it conspires to help you. When you discover and connect with and express and abide with your soul-level values, you're aligning yourself with the principles of the universe in whatever sp- specific ways that is to you. However you prioritize it. But that's how it should feel when you discover those soul-level values. They're bigger than you are. they there's something you want to serve. And then the, the content Expression of that, how that shows up, life will show you that. You don't get get to necessarily control that. know? I didn't imagine for and for, for God for how long? For a good five, six, maybe even seven years, I felt like the business venue was limiting me, and I really wanted to do more psychospiritual psychotherapeutic stuff with people who were. Um, not just interested in using the principles to produce financial results, and I felt quite trapped in the in the world of business. but then what I learned was, and it took me years to do it, was that this is what life was saying was my venue, and it wasn 't that the venue needed to change, I needed to change I needed to have the guts. To start saying things that would scare a lot of business people. And I had many webinars, many clients, where I was like, "Oh man, if I bring this up, I'm going to totally lose them." Dozens and dozens of times each week are like, "Oh man, I, I think I want to bring this principle, this idea, this angle. I mean, even the style with which I teach. There's no keynote slides here. There's no, today we're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. And here are the results. Here are the outcomes you're going to get. You guys get the way in which I teach is a spiritual teacher modality. I use what's called a dialectic. This is how philosophers teach. This is how, this is not a business thing. Right. And I thought that if I tried to teach that way, I would just lose people and that I thought I couldn't do that. I don't know why I thought I couldn't do that. And there were many times where I would go to conferences and do speaking speaking engagements and they would say, Well, you have to have slides and yada, yada. And I've, I've bent to that for a while. And now I refuse to do slides. Not just because of... Well, the main reason is because I'm just not that good at it. It's just not me. <laughs> and I'd have to prep for 10 times longer than I otherwise would have to to be able to still come from the place that I come from. Because when there's slides there... It doesn't matter. It just gets, It's just not me. That's not... Slides are not included in my passion path. And so that was a way I didn't stand for myself. I didn't trust myself, which was a big dynamic for many years. I just wasn't trusting myself. Now, will I enjoy wild success as a result of this? I don't know. I've given up on that. I surrender to that. You know, I'm enjoying uh, relative success. And that's fine, will I be the next Tony Robbins or Simon Sinek or Malcolm Gladwell? That would be cool. But you know what? That's not up to me. So I'm just going to do what I'm doing and serve my deepest values in this venue and see what happens. That's the surrender. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review, and it will bring you to the right place.